everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Living Courageously Exposed, hosted by Big Inside Out Adventures and yours truly, Jennifer J. Saunders. My friends call me Jay. So uh, it's been a little bit since we did a podcast with my friend Carrie, and we're back again in a really beautiful setting today. We're actually inside of a medical clinic in an atrium. So we're in nature, sort of, which is one of my favorite places to be. And uh, so we welcome you into this beautiful space. And today we're going to turn the tables a little bit. As, uh, as we move forward with this podcast, it's only fair that I turn the tables on myself and I put myself in the seat of my interviewees. And as I've thought about it, honestly, it's a whole lot easier to be on the end of being the interviewer. And not that I mind sharing my story, but there's so much to it. And, and it's like, you know, what parts do you share? And so today I brought back Carrie, mostly because it's someone I trust, to uh, turn the tables in a way that's going to be beneficial for myself, but for each of you as well. And so we've been sitting here talking, having a conversation about how we're going to do this, and we're just going to let it go like we usually do. Just we're going to start the conversation. And uh, if you guys have questions, feel free to send them in to Jennifer at biginsideoutadventures.fun. We'll put that in the show notes. But uh, we're, we're going to do this interview probably in a couple parts as well, and would love to answer the questions that you want to know about me. Yeah, I would have to disagree that the harder spot is the interviewee. <laughs> um, I feel like it's a big honor to be the interviewer, and I'm not sure I'm going to know how to flow through all this. Um, so we'll do what we can. Um, but I think the number one question, which is why you are now in these shoes sitting over there, is why the podcast? Why not do a podcast on running or the great outdoors, which you love so much, or on all these other things that have been part of your life, um, you've chosen to, to do something with courage and talk a little deeper about things that aren't necessarily seen or visible in life. And it's made you a very magnetic person. So the podcast actually came about <clears throat> like a lot of other things in my life, which is I get an idea and a lot of times it's a crazy idea and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And so I know myself and and sometimes these ideas are, they don't come from me. They come from another place. Um, you know, I call it creation or um, intuition. Other people may call it other things, but I feel like it's inspired. And when I, when I have those things, I tend to want to take a step back into fear. And I just know that if I do that, that'll never happen. And, and the podcast was one of those things that came to me. It was like, People have a story, like I have a story, and you have a story, and so many other people, every person on this planet has a story. And I just feel like that people need to be heard, like we all just want to be heard. And and a lot of us have these stories of pain and triumph, and um, I wanted to give a place where if people were in a place of wanting to be brave, that they could share their stories with other people in the hope that they would be able to, one, move themselves to another level of living their life in a way that feels authentic and honest and um, courageous, like doing things that they haven't done before because maybe they themselves have been held back by fear. And then also in, in sharing those things, opening up space for other people to then possibly step into that space of courage and bravery. 
of sharing their own stories and finding paths to healing that they may not have found before. Uh, I know for myself that um, I, I love to hear the stories of other people who have lived these courageous paths and um, because the it wasn't always courageous. There's usually a lot of pain and there's there's struggle and there's hurt and they're you know they're they're crawling around on the ground in in, in their stories and um, but there's messages there and there's miracles that take place and there's transformation and I think that stuff is so beautiful when we're willing to uh, just take the time to really see into another person's soul and into their story and realize that a lot of times the people that we see with our eyes are not the person that we're actually seeing, but that if we are willing to look deeper, we actually see the soul of the person who's having this earthly experience. And and so that that's kind of the podcast is I just, I wanted to give a platform and a place to one for me to be able to meet other amazing people, but then to share their stories and, and help raise up other souls who may be struggling. And, and so I just had to jump. It, I, I think I thought about this. It came to me like the beginning of December of last year, so 2017. And I thought, oh my gosh, a podcast. Like I haven't even really listened to that many podcasts. And so I thought, I don't, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like how, how do you even start a podcast? Like do, <laughs> do I need to buy a microphone? Do I do it with video? Which by the way, video is coming because I, I love the aspect of the video portion. And so in my learning process, the video part is coming. Um, and so I made a goal to have, to have my first podcast by January 1st of 2018. And <laughs> I, uh, I told a friend of mine who is a DJ, uh, we had talked about it and she said, I'll mix things down for you. I'll help you clean them up. And so I, I had a teammate and I had someone else who's like, let's rah, rah, let's get this going and you can do it. And then it came time to actually make that first podcast. I was like, what, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to say? And you know, your mind just like spins story after story after story. And like, I don't have anything to say. And I have everything to say. And I put off like, for hours on end. I It was the 30th of December or the 31st of December and I, I seriously waited to the last minute. And uh, finally I put out that first podcast and I made the jump and uh, it was a great jump. It was scary. But, you know, then I was out of the nest and it's just time to build the wings. So I made a few podcast interviews since then. They've been beautiful and I'm just really excited to see what's coming down the pike because I keep getting that inspiration of like who to interview and I hear a story and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, that person has an amazing story. Let's see if they'll they'll do that. So that's why the podcast. Well, I think that that's one of your greatest qualities is that you do jump. I mean, you've taught me that fear um, is in everybody. It's just there. <laughs> and courage is not a lack of it. It's just moving through that fear. Absolutely. And so... I think we're all courageous um, when we, you know, we, we all can be courageous. Absolutely. And you I, I very much think, are that way. I do think that we're all courageous. In fact, you know, people will be like, oh my gosh, you're so, you're so brave or you have so much courage and you do all these things and you, you run hundred milers and you jump out of airplanes and you go on these trips and vacations. And, and, and honestly, the reality is I'm scared to death. Like a lot of times I am freaked out beyond like even comprehension sometimes. But I also know that I can keep running from that monster that 
in my imagination that's chasing me, or I can turn around and face it, and not just face it, but actually embrace it. And and yesterday as I was driving, because I knew I was going to get to do this, and it was scaring me a little bit, and and I thought, I saw myself like standing on a platform with fear, and I turned around, and I just gave it a big old bear hug, and it's like we were hooked into bungee jumping cords, and I just tossed us over the edge of, of the platform. <laughs> and so it's kind of... It is what we do, and I think everybody has that ability, and it's just helping them find that place and that, that strength inside themselves to turn and not just face it, but to actually embrace it and see the message that the fear has for us. So we all easily build fear. I mean, life is full of experiences that can like really entrap us in that place. Absolutely. I like and, to calm closets. Yes. <laughs> and so let's let's kind of just start there. You obviously had experiences like we all did in your formative years that probably impacted some of those, like put you in some of those closets, but you probably also had experiences that have allowed you to courageously be able to continue to push doors down and walk through those. Some people still haven't had enough of a, of a catalyst to start that movement. Um, But we all, I think at least by you know, the time we're adults, we can kind of say, well, I've had these experiences that have built my paradigms and perceptions. So, um, give like a, maybe a one minute, just where, where you come from, nuclear family, non-nuclear family. And then one minute, (laughs) one minute, there's such a bigger story beyond this. Um, one minute of that. And then we're going to just like maybe list a few, two or three big impacting events from that time. Sure. Um, that have kind of started you into all of this? Sure. Okay, so one minute and go. (laughs) (laughs) So I, um, you know, I come from a traditional religious family. Um, I grew up LDS and uh, with a family that was pretty strong in the religion. And and so, you know, I remember, you know, going to primary and I hated it because I'd have to wear a dress and I don't like to wear dresses. (laughs) And... uh, and so, you know, I grew up with um, with God in my life, and but at the same time, you know, there was there was confusion because my family was was struggling. So I'm the oldest of four kids, and eventually the oldest of seven, the third of nine. You guys do the math. Yes, it's a blended family. Uh, when I was eight, my parents got divorced, and when I was ten, they both sets of my parents remarried, and. Um, you know, that brought a, a whole new slew of experiences on, on, I lived with my mom. So, you know, the experiences that happened in that home and then being away from my dad and, and the experiences that happened with, with being away from my dad and then going to visit him, you know, lots of you out there have those experiences. I know you can relate, um, to just the, the overall picture of, of living in a, in a split family. Um, you know, I, I have a, how many more seconds do I have? <laughs> I, have a, I have a, you know, a, a history of abuse, um, some physical abuse, some sexual abuse. Um, and so I have, I have an understanding of, of some of those come froms and, and where people can get stuck and, and how it can mess with your mind and mess with your life. And so, um, you know, I grew up as a really, um, I would say timid, shy person, and people have a hard time believing that now. Yeah. And I still have strains of that in me. Um, I am. I tell my. I tell people, you know, I'm an. I'm an introvert who can function well as an extrovert. I, I love all of that, but I really do like my 
my just quiet time away from it all in your own little place. <laughs> my Calgon take me away moments. Yeah. And, uh, places where I can refill and, and really get in touch with my soul and, and who I am, um, outside of everything else. So that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, you know, I, I moved, I, another thing was I, I moved in fifth grade when my parents got married, you know, so that was a, a big deal for me. And, um, again, just all the experiences that are brought from that. Yeah. I, I think so many people out there definitely had the, you know, mine, yours, our family. Oh, yeah. Um, and it took on tons of different shapes and sizes. Oh, yeah. Um, and generally those kinds of experiences, um, can be s- s- like very uprooting both physically and emotionally to kids. Oh, yeah. So like, I remember feeling very different, um, when I, I mean my parents and and I, I want to make this very clear uh, anything that I say in regards to my family uh, is not coming from a victim place it's coming from this was this was the reality at the time and the reality you know of of me at that time like as as an eight year old or a ten year old or a fourteen year old and um, you know I have since learned a lot of new things and I know that my parents did the absolute best that they knew how in any of those, those dynamics. Yeah. And those time frames. And so when I speak about my family, please know that I love and adore my family. Do we still have our issues? Absolutely. Just like the rest of, of probably most of you out there. But, um, uh, please know that it's coming from a place of love and, and just, that's what the experience was. There's, I don't harbor anger. I don't harbor um, resentment towards any of those things. It's just part of what shaped and, and made me who I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, by the time you were, let's say in your last few years of high school, mm-hmm. um, what was, what was, what was situation were you in at that point and where were you going to launch off to? Okay. The last few years of high school. So the last few years of high school, um, I still was really shy. I, I went to Highland high school, go Rams. And, uh, I, you know, I, I was into music, I sing. And so I did a lot of musical stuff there and that was a place where I found uh, solace. It was a place where music, you mean. music, yeah. And uh, oh, Mr. Hagerman, what a what an amazing fellow Terry Hagerman was in my life. He was a champion for Gen Store, and uh, I love those people. Yeah, they someone who saw in me things that I absolutely could not see in myself. You know, I had a couple seminary teachers, the same thing, Brother Knapp, um, who just they they knew of my circumstances, but they didn't really know the details. And I think they could tell there was a lot of struggle there and a lot of lack of, um, self-worth, self-image. Uh, you know, I did, I, I did things like we all do things to get attention. And, um, mine, mine came by way of sometimes feigning sickness. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, it's not the funnest thing to have to admit, like this was my behavior, and, um, you know, looking back, I just, I'm able to say, wow, I just, I wasn't receiving the love that I felt like I needed at that time. And so these are the things that I did to, to obtain that. And, you know, I, I, I went through a lot of the behaviors, you know, I stole things and what was crazy is, and I didn't steal from stores. Like it was like these little, I just needed attention Oh, absolutely. But because I was a good kid and because I served people and because I loved people nobody ever noticed and which I was like, 
what the hey? <laughs> so to all of you out there who I may have never made amends with, I'm sorry. And um, I, I have, uh, I want you to know that I've made up for it in my older life by giving lots. But, uh, you know, looking back, those were times that were really hard. And so I was in this place of, of discovery of like wanting to change who I felt I was and, and realizing that, that I had to give love to myself. Like I had to figure my life out because, you know, my, my dear mother was, again, I'm the oldest of seven. And so when I left for college, she, my youngest twins, my youngest siblings were twins and they were seven months old. And my little brother was probably, he was, he had to have been two at the time. So she still had little teeny kids, which meant me growing up, um, you know, in those high school years, I had a lot of responsibility for the family and I just felt really under everybody's thumb. I'm, I was a perfectionist. I, I had to follow everybody else's rules. It wasn't about me. It was about everybody else and taking the right steps and doing the right actions so that I could get the approval and praise of everybody else. And so in that jump off point, um, honestly, I just wanted to get out of my house. I, I wanted to be out of my circumstances. I wanted to be away from, um, um, you know, I, my, my stepdad. And again, I, I have different views on this. You know, it, it was a bit abusive and I, I just was ready to get away from all of that. I learned amazing things. Like I really had some really cool experiences as a young person that way about forgiveness and seeing people in their own pain. And, and so looking forward into getting away from my family. <laughs> I, I was actually looking forward to putting myself in college. And, and it, this wasn't something that was um, really encouraged in my family, but something that I wanted. And maybe it was for a runaway. It, it very well could have been for a runaway, but um, it really was a running into my life moment because when I left, I put myself into counseling. I started finding resources to heal and where I could um, learn to really start loving me and making decisions for me. Yeah, some of that I don't even know about you. I've known <laughs> you for so long. Um, I think it's really like the dynamics of wanting to just find a place to go um, to college. That's really hard as a kid when you have really no support or encouragement that way. I mean, even if it was there, your parents were so busy with such a large, diverse oh, yeah. family. Um I, I think that that's pretty big that you, so what was that like then? Like first couple years successful. First couple of years. So I most went, college years are full of a lot of exposure right. and a lot of learning. Right. So I was, I was naive, you know, I, uh, we all were. <laughs> <laughs> but I also was, I, I knew, you know, from the time I was young, I, I knew that there was this greater part of me and I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily tell you what it was. Um, back then, I would tell you it was, it was my belief and trust in God. And um, for me, it was God. And that there, I knew, even with all of the shiz that was going on and, and all of the torment I thought that I was experiencing and going through, there was a part of me that knew, I'm just going to say it, that knew I was destined for greatness, whatever that greatness is. And um, it kept me, 
it kept me strong. You know, it kept me out. I could, I could have made all kinds of decisions that would have taken me down completely different paths. Um, but as it was, I had amazing group of friends. So it was like a beacon. It was a total beacon. It was, it was the lighthouse. It was the, you know, light that was set on a hill and, and we see it in the darkness. And, um, I always felt that. And, and I knew that I was greater than my circumstances. And so my first two years of college, I, I feel like we're really successful. You know, after your parents drop you off and, and they've turned the refrigerator down and because they're trying to take care of you. And we woke up the next morning and our milk was frozen. And I remember having like, we poured out what we could and we had these like frosty milk chunks on our Cheerios. <laughs> I know it was awesome. I'm like, this is a, such a cool way to like start being on my own. But being able to take steps for myself, like going to the bookstore and, and wandering through and finding all my books and the things that I would need and, um, learning how to sign up for classes and then like pulling up, pulling up the big girl panties and like walking to class and being on campus and feeling small and yet feeling so big. And I loved Rick's college, uh, which is now BYU, Idaho. And I, um, it's probably where I started to really find myself. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't hugely involved in a lot of like on campus activities and things, but I loved, uh, I lived at Greenbrier and I had the most amazing roommates, but then all the people in the complex were just fantastic. And so I was able to find these souls who, who just were out, you know, living their own lives. And I started to learn different things as I watched different people and, and thought, wow, that's something I want to incorporate into my life or holy cow, that's something I would totally want to keep out of my life. And so my first two years, completely successful, um, especially by way of finding a path to more joy, um, more joy, personal healing, health, and really discovering who I am and what it is I liked and what it is I wanted in my life. Awesome. So back then, Ricks was a two-year school. Ricks was right? a two-year school. I so, so wished it was four. <laughs> so you had to move. You had to. I, I had you had to, to transition somewhere. Totally had to transition. And where did that take you? That took me right back to Pocatello, where I went to Idaho State University, and um, so I studied <laughs> at Ricks. I have an associates in like general studies, I think, and and I wanted to be a teacher, but I did get talked into specializing. And, uh, you know, people have good intentions and I, and I was still young and naive and, and malleable and, and, uh, I chose speech language pathology and audiology. So at Idaho State University, I lived in, in an apartment with, there were four of us and those are really great years. Um, and, uh, that leads to a whole nother story that we'll do in another part of the podcast. But, um, I loved living on my own. And uh, having those just like grown up experiences and they were hard. I remember moments like having absolutely no money, like I had a dime to my name at some points and just thinking, how am I, how am I going to get by? And like, where am I going to get my next crumb of food? And, and uh, you know, lots of you out there probably have had those same experiences. And uh, it's just interesting to see where we choose to take those and, and how we move through them and pass them. And um, at ISU, I, uh, I really love my time there. I was again, still really shy. I was still really into following the path that other people wanted me to follow and which, which I don't know that I really understood back then. Um, it's just what I did and I was happy. I thought I was happy doing that. 
So I was full on into Institute. I loved the activities there, the interactions with people, again, studying people just by way of, of um, our interactions. And we did a lot of, I love to, um, I love to dance. And man, I, we rocked the, the country dances. Oh, that was one of my favorite things. <laughs> that was a bad oh, for sure. You know, there was, there was that set of guys, you know, there's probably five or six who really knew how to dance and they would teach you all the tricks and they'd throw you in the air and swing you around. And oh my gosh, I love that. I felt myself really come alive at that point. I also was a part of a, of a singing group called Noteworthy. Um, Jason and Lisa Woodland were the directors of that. And, and they really started teaching me some things that um, were some of those like stakes in the ground where life pivots. And I remember we were doing firesides and we were we were singing you know all kinds of what well, we did some of them were serious you know we were seeing this um this production in in regards to the book of mormon which is absolutely fabulous the music is fabulous the message was fabulous and especially at that point in my life and uh then we did a lot of of fun you know show tunes and we just jazz more so jazzy it was fun. it was way fun but again i was shy so it really pulled pulled my comfort zone and stretched me in ways that just needed to be done really but I also was in love I used to think that I was another person when I was on stage and performing or speaking yeah and then one day I realized that I was just being me and and that was really cool but one of the things we did is is we would go and and do these firesides and they would introduce us and then they would say okay we're going to have three people get up and speak now these were extemporaneous speeches and and I, I was I was always a little bit nervous but I was always really excited you know like am I going to get chosen today am I going to be the one that gets to, <laughs> to, to do this <laughs> but I, I loved it and um, but one of the things they taught us uh, before one of our introductions was they said we are here to bless people through our music and not impress them and that was life-changing for me because Again, I told you, you know, I was shy and I looked to other people for recognition and for value and for any kind of worth, really. And my talent um, was honestly used in that way, like I saying, with somewhat the expectation of getting people's accolades. And, you know, when you do it that way and you don't get them, it feels pretty horrible and you it's a it feels like a really big personal hit. Sure. So it was really, it was a beautiful shift for me because I, not only did I put that into my music, but I started to put that into the other parts of my life and really, really start to give myself and share my talent in ways that are like, this is a gift that's one being given to me and that I can use to bless the lives of other people. So I started practicing this thing where I would go and sing and then I would leave the building to see if I could handle like nobody coming up to me and saying anything and if I would be okay. And and what I realized is I was okay. I was more than okay. So that was a big experience then. Absolutely. So those were probably some of the most memorable, you know, school was fantastic. It was really hard. Um, I actually had to take an extra year because I got sick. Um, I just didn't handle stress. Well, I didn't have tools to handle stress and, and especially the emotional stress that I was experiencing. And, uh, but I did graduate with a bachelor's degree in speech language pathology and audiology. Woo, woo. It's big. <laughs> it's big. I've never used it. <laughs> and I've been graduated for, let's just say a lot, a long time, a long time. That is interesting. Well, I, I don't know. A lot of people 
go a different direction. You know, education is sometimes just education. Absolutely. Well, and it was a, it was an experience that taught me lots of things, you know, it taught me how to study. It taught me how to interact with other people. It taught me, um, you know, dedication to a schedule. It taught me all kinds of stuff. And just like most of you, you know, if you look back, it was, it was way more than just getting the formal education for sure. It was, it was growing up. It it helped me again, become who we are. All right. So graduated from college. Um, That seems like a, you know, a tiny portion of where your life's taken you since. Um, I I obviously didn't enter the picture till way down the road. Um, But when I did, you already had a beautiful family. And, you know, you were involved in lots of like fitness and outdoor adventures and things like that. So there must have been a lot of years in there full of, you know, family and having kids and things like that. So um, maybe we'll want to go there next. Okay. So really quickly, going back to, it just came to me, another another really big turning point in, while I was at ISU studying speech-language pathology, I had a professor who was so fascinating. Uh, Dr. Paul Deputy was his name. And uh, Dr. Deputy, if you're out there listening, I just want you to know that you changed my life through one one statement that you made. And one day we were sitting in class and, um, you know, it was, it was a small class. Speech path is an extremely popular major. Uh, major. And so we probably had 15, maybe 20 people in our classes. And uh, <laughs> Paul Deputy, he was an interesting character. He had this big bushy mustache and he wore big kind of thick glasses and he had brown, like um, curly, almost Afro-y kind of hair. And he loved what he did. Like you could tell he loved what he did. And, and honestly, he was, he was kind of a nerd, but he was like a cool nerd. But what made him cool is he, he shared some of his stories. So he made himself real to us. Mm-hmm. And he told us about times when he didn't have a lot of confidence in himself. And he said, you know, this is, this is when we get out in life and we do things and you're going to go out and practice this, this field that you're studying. He said, you're not going to feel like you are good at it or that you know what you're doing. And so he grabbed the piece of chalk and back in those days, it was still chalk and he wrote on the board. It made a bit, may have made a dry erase board possibly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you're not a dinosaur. I'm smelling it. Like, can I smell the, <laughs> the pen? <laughs> but he wrote on the board, he wrote fake it till you make it. And it was like, seriously, like one of those like mic drop mind blowing moments. And I was like, what? Fake it till you make it. And then he gave us this whole lesson on fake it till you make it. And I thought, oh my heck, that is something I must incorporate into my life. Cause I kind of felt like I had already been doing that anyway, because but it resonated so deep, totally deep. It, it, that beacon that we talked about earlier, it, it pinged that place in my soul that was like, there's truth to this. And, and I thought, wow, I, I can do that. Like I have these goals and dreams and nobody's pushing me to do them. And I've already come this far. And so what are the things that I want to do next? And can I, can I fake it till I make it? it like, I'm really going to start testing this out. And so Mr. Paul Deputy, thank you for that little statement. Fake it till you make it. And, and I really did start implementing that into my life. Now a little farther down the road, because I am a person who, who really believes in, for me, it's God. You know, if it's higher power for you or source or whatever it is, 
there was there was a place that I knew that I could get into creation and become who it is that I that I wanted to become. And so because I had that higher power connection, I changed faith it till you fake it till you make it to be faith it till you make it. Because I for me it was important to have that element of um belief in higher power. Yeah, mystique and higher power and and so it's been really cool as I as I feel like I tap into those creative energies to see what's what's come about. So let's see. You asked me about family. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, man. Somewhere someone came along and Somewhere started that someone, whole journey. It's so true. Um, man, it's like, where do I go there? Because that, that's kind of one of those big fork in the road kind of stories. <laughs> it's like, which way do I go? Um, so let's just, we'll come back to college. We'll come back to this this point yeah. because it is there's it like is a, overlapping stories. There are overlapping stories, and so let's just let's just start with um, I, I met a, a fellow when I was at Rick's College. He was my family home evening brother, and I know those of you who understand the LDS culture like that, you'll get a family home evening. <laughs> yeah, it's a common thing. You marry your family home evening brother, right? <laughs> so true. Well, for me, it was uh, I met I met Shane, and he was such a nice guy. Like he was such a nice guy, and I think he was almost, almost as shy or more shy than I was. And um, he asked me out, and he, he later told me like we had this big long sidewalk, and he knew my schedule. <laughs> like he would oh, come, wow. and he would come sit in my clogging class, <laughs> and I didn't know it. And and but he asked me out, and I thought I said yes. And uh, it was one of those moments where. You know, you just kind of put on your dork and I sat on the bed and I didn't want to go because I was, I was like, what are we going to say? You know, I, I'm shy. He's shy. How this is, is going to be, so how awkward. is this night going to go? And, and you know what? He was, he was such a gentleman and very kind. And, um, we had a great night. We went to what used to be the loft restaurant and just had a beautiful meal. And we actually had a good conversation. I don't, I don't remember what it was about, but, but it, was it was a good memory. It was, it was a good memory. And, um, Actually, we were friends. You know, we dated a couple times at Rick's College. Um, and then when I was at ISU, he chose to go on a mission. And so we were still friends. So I went and sang in his mission farewell. <laughs> Wrote him a little bit on his mission. And and uh, about halfway through his mission, he sent me a letter that uh, kind of, he was the second one, actually, to send me a letter that said they wanted to marry me. <laughs> at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even in any headspace. And so... I actually did have another boyfriend at the time, and so I pretty much stopped writing him. And uh, he, when he got back from his mission, he did contact me because we're still friends. You know, I was curious, like, how was his mission? How was his life? And things progressed, and, uh, you know, he asked me to marry him at one of those fireside events I was telling you about earlier. And uh, and we got married, you know, our honestly I feel bad sometimes when I look back on our engagement because I I I put the poor guy through hell just because I was afraid I was afraid to get married I I, um there I think there was a lot of things at that point in my life that I didn't completely understand that were playing a role in the dynamic and um again that's part of the overlapping story that we can go back to but um and I was still in that place of pleasing other people and taking the right the proper next steps. Yeah. And um, 
so you know he we hung in he hung in there with me and we got married and and we had some really great had some really great memories and experiences together we actually stayed married for 17 and a half years and uh and you know it was it was really really great times and it was really really not so great times um Again, there's more stories intertwined in there, and, and we can go into that a little bit yeah. later. But from that marriage, uh, yeah, two of my greatest accomplishments by way of my daughters, Paige and Haley. And, uh, oh, my gosh, like that, I think that's where I really started to find myself. And becoming a mother. Becoming a mother and realizing that I didn't want to pass down to my kids all my shiz. And yes. which which caused me to really start taking some honest looks at myself and and how it is I was living my life and what I wanted to um you know what legacy I wanted to leave my kids and and I don't know about you, but for me, like because I felt that same way in becoming a mother, it was like the it was the first step of like coming into fruition of like, yeah, I was meant to do this, yeah, and yet I knew I was still a very complicated person that had a lot of sorting out to do. And that's challenging to do that while you're trying to raise these kids. Right. And you're seeing things about yourself come up in them and you're thinking, I want to do such a better job in this moment. And it's so provoking to me. And it's like constantly exposing that I'm still in need of work. Yes. And yet you can't <laughs> yes. set those children aside and start the work. Like it's just all happening at the same time. Yeah. And so there's there's a lot of like error and falling down and oh, making amends and apologizing. And absolutely. I, mean, I see a parent is so human. Absolutely. I see like when you're saying all that, the, you know, the little pebble or, or dot of snow at the top of the hill and it just starts rolling down and <laughs> it just gathers up everything. There's arms and legs outside. It's getting bigger and it just picks up everything so as you're trying to like create this story. Like being a mom, I don't remember a time. Like, I honestly don't remember a time in my life when I'm like, I cannot wait to be a mom. <laughs> I don't, I don't recall having that feeling. Um, and I, again, I don't know that I ever was like, I can't wait to be a wife. Although that's, it was in my wheelhouse because it's what I was exposed to. It's what I was taught. And um, my mom tells a story of when I was about five or six of me um, asking, they had asked me if I was going to have kids or how many kids I wanted. And I told them I didn't want to have any because I didn't want to like run around screaming and chasing them. <laughs> so sometimes I, I'm like, wow, well, glad I didn't stick with that one because, because uh, those girls, so they're amazing. And uh, you know, I, I, I'll take some credit for that. For but, sure. But uh, they're amazing somewhat in spite of me as well. I really appreciate that you'd say that because I think, I think we can take some credit for our children. Yeah, we have possible impacts on all the all of them and all their experiences, and of course, they're or one piece of a larger Absolutely. world they're in. Um, well, and I think at, at some point as a parent, I was really grateful that I had learned some of the things that I learned about. Um, uh, I made sure that I, because I didn't really, and again remember where, where this is, this is coming from a, a place of love. Um, I didn't really appreciate the way that I grew up and the, the parenting style and I wanted to do different for my kids. And again, not, a, not as a way to shame my parents or to say that they didn't do good because they did the best they knew how with their own, with their own crap. 
but um, I wanted to do a little bit differently. And, and my mom will tell you stories where I just flat out told her that, like, I'm not going to do it the way you do it. <laughs> and I've, uh, I've, I'm sure I've said I, I'm sure lots of you have said those things too. And, uh, but I, there was this one point where I realized that I, I really wasn't in charge of the teaching of my children because they came here to learn what they came here to learn. And I don't necessarily know what that is. I just know that I play a role. And so my, my role was more of a, I took more of a hands off. Um, I didn't really govern. I, yeah. I really tried to just guide and uh, you know, we didn't have a ton of rules and what we did, we let them, we set them together and, uh, and I, I think my kids turned out pretty dang good. I mean, I have moments, I have horrible when I'm like, yeah, total loser mom moments because I'm human and yeah, I was part of that sure. snowball. And I used to tell my kids, you know, I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm also going to teach you how to, um, how to apologize because I'm going to apologize and I, and I'm going to model those things for you. And if I need to, I'll pay for your therapy later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, I think it's a great thing that you can struggle as a parent because that is what you're doing is modeling. And one of the greatest things we can show our kids I've come to understand is that if they learn little from me, they will know how to get back up and they will know how to apologize and they will understand that people are human and they make error and they cause harm and they can correct. And they, you know, they can, you, you can model human growth Absolutely. and improvement to them in well, such a really powerful way. Cause you're just the, you're such a per- personal person to them every day. Well, and I think if we can show them our realness, then they, they gather that and they, you know, they know of, of their own humanness and their own ability to make mistakes and they're, they're less likely. Hi buddy. We have some, we have some visitors with us. Um, they're less likely to, carry that shame and and I felt like if I showed my own humanness it opened a door for them to show theirs and say you know I I did this thing or I've got this thing going on and we could open some communication and they they were more comfortable to do that rather than if I just really kept my thumb on them all the time and and governed everything that they did right and parenting is beautiful too in that every day is a new experience. Oh, We've never had that day. <laughs> Truly. You know, and that continues throughout till pretty much the day we exit. Truly. Like, I don't know about you and there's probably a lot of people out there listening. I used to tell my kids like, I, you did not come with a rule book or a guidebook or a how to like, no. I, I'm doing the best I can. And you know, you just got to give me that space. And like, like we said, we'll make amends where we need to and, yeah. and model the best things that we know how to model given where we're at in our own healing and experience in the snowball in the snowball well there there's so many other stories that thread out this (laughs) period um but i think this is a good spot to maybe stop perfect and we'll regroup our thinking and find out where we need to go from here um jen jen who jen is today comes from so much more than what you've heard today um but we'll pause here and we'll hope to have people back soon for the next part. Perfect. Carrie, thank you so much for like being able to, or being willing to switch roles. Uh, again, I know I put you on the spot <laughs> because it is a little bit tricky to like, um, find the questions. You know, when I started this podcast, I thought I'm just going to have a set, you know, eight or 10 questions yeah. that I'm going to ask people. And the reality is 
Not that's work. not going to work that way, especially if I live by the everybody has a story and it's a different story. And if I'm going to really listen. So I know I put you on the spot. So thank you for, again, being really to be in the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, this seat is harder for me, but thankfully you just share your story. So people will listen to you and hopefully filter out my little trying to leads. Um, but thanks. I love hearing it and I'm learning tons I never knew. Yeah. So growing together growing together so for those of you out there thanks for listening to what will become part one of the gen episode uh we look forward to seeing you again if you again if you have questions or things that you would like us to address or curious about the life of jen or what it is that i do and and why it is i do what i do uh feel free to make mention when you hear this in the in the facebook posts or go to jennifer at biginsideoutadventures.fun and leave your questions there. And we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. But until then, remember to believe in yourself or no one else can. And go be great. Bye.